Welcome to the Southern Fried Ambition Podcast. Uh, for this episode, I sat down at Due South Coffee uh, at Taylor's Mill with Antonio Million, who is a Brandon Fellow at the Greenville Center for Creative Arts and the creator and photographer of Faces of the Upstate. Uh, we discussed those endeavors as well as the state of the African American community um, in in regards to uh, the recent law enforcement issues, um, as well as some issues with uh, with veterans. And if you would like to be featured in Faces of the Upstate, uh, you can either hit them up on their Facebook page or send them an email. The email address is available in the show notes. So without further ado, this is episode four of Southern Fried Ambition. That's the only other one. That's like a call-in one. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of software do you use? Just I, I just use Audacity. Okay. Um, cool. Awesome. awesome. Free, free tool. Yeah. Free tools are, are the right price. They really are. Um, <laughs> I, I use Audacity. I, I upload to archive.org. Okay. Cool. And then I host on uh, WordPress.com and just push it out. Use nice. Feed Google FeedBurner yeah. and, and push it out to the world, and everything's awesome. free. That's awesome. <laughs> the cool. the price is right for distribution. So. Um, All right. Um, ready whenever you are. Well, do we, we're going. Oh, we're going now. We're going now. Just oh, talk. Okay. <laughs> we're just talking. That's, that's all we're doing. So, like, you, there's no Q and A or anything. Oh no, 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 oh, okay, no. It's cool. just conversation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> Should I introduce myself? Oh, you can if you'd like to. Okay, uh, I mean. All right. Um, <laughs> I'll introduce you before yeah, we get going. If you absolutely. If, you know. um, well, my name is uh, Anthony Million. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go by Antonio. Um, an artist at the Greenville Center for Creative Arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm one of their three Brandon Fellows that they chose for. This is the first year that they're doing it, and um, that's pretty much it. A lot of my artwork focuses on race and ethnicity and identity, right. and um, just a sense of belonging. And um, well, the, the the place that I know you from, and the place a lot of people know you from, is is. Uh, people of the upstate or faces, faces of, of the upstate, upstate. Yeah. and um you know and, and you've touched a lot of people that i know yeah um not not necessarily in real life but i know on facebook yeah, you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, so uh yeah and and that that's and now, now i'm stumbling over words yeah, um I, I know a lot of people who who do art in their spare time but i don't know a lot of people who 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 don't have the the day job to fall back on yeah. and, and and do it full time? Although I guess you you do have a have you a do job. have a a, a, a day, <laughs> a day job. So so I, never mind what yeah. I just said. <laughs> no, you're good. I wish I, I feel like I would get so much more accomplished if I didn't have a day job. Right. But um, utilize I guess. It's but at a, the same time, you would be so hungry. Oh my god! I would, I would be. I mean, they can't see me, but I'm a pretty big guy. Literally I mean, starving artist. Yeah, yes, I would yes. literally be a dead artist. 
<laughs> there would be no interview happening. No, there yeah, would yeah, be yeah. like, oh, here's the corpse of Antonio. Yeah, really. What do you have to say? <laughs> what do you have to say? <laughs> He's not talking right now. We'll be doing a seance later. <laughs> yes, yeah. right? No, but um, it's, it's a test of, uh, of utilization, really mm-hmm. having a full-time job and being wanting to do art. And it's something that you really have to want to do. It's not... Um, it's, you know, you have to have a passion for it, and I've, I've always felt that um, the, the movers and the shakers in our society are the ones who rock the boat. Yeah. Um, and so Faces of the Upstate was kind of a brainchild of mine, and I saw Humans of New York and Humans right. of Asheville and all these different things, and I was like, you know, they don't have anything like that here. And there are people here that I know, like yourself, that does this that have stories to tell and, right. and, and are doing things that are positive. Well, Not only positive, but there are people with stories to tell about issues that are going mm-hmm. on. Like I interviewed a lady who was, you know, the, the, a big thing now is, is rape and, and uh, patriarchy and yes. what, what defines rape. And you see all these senseless things people are saying about um, victimization in general. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know... I interviewed a lady who was raped, and I mean, it was just an eye-opening experience. Right. Because once you, once you talk about that, it's easy to talk about anything. Yeah. And come up with your own conclusions about anything. If you're once not you, in it. Yeah, exactly. So, but once you see somebody that's in that particular circumstance, right. you're completely, it completely changes. Right. Um, and the same go- thing goes with police brutality or yes. whatever, you know, um, so, you know, Faces of the Upstate was about that, giving people a voice mm-hmm. that our mainstream media, you know, won't give right. a voice to. So, you know, um, that's basically what that was about. And it's still going strong. It's been almost two years. I'm a little off and on with it because yeah. of my work schedule. Um, kind of it's by appointment only now because <laughs> I, I don't have time to roam around the streets of Greenville. And there's only so many, there's so many faces here. Yeah. <laughs> run out eventually you know well you know i used to i used to roam around the streets of greenville for six hours of a time at a time and ask people if i could take their picture and document their stories and get like three yeah yeah exactly so time consuming if i find somebody on the internet and i'm like hey i run this thing you know and they go for it they're cool if they Mm -hmm. don't they don't you know well it's like with this uh you know the the whole premise of, of this podcast is to to have everyday people telling their stories because that's more interesting to me than listening to a celebrity tell their story because mm-hmm. you've been through real things. Exactly. And, and I'm sure the celebrities have too, but, you know, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we we hear enough of their stories. Exactly. Um, everyday people ha- have real and interesting stories and new ways to tell it. Exactly. And it's pulling teeth to try to get anybody to, to come on here because... Every, everybody thinks they're not interesting. Mm-hmm. And the, no matter who you are, there's something in your life that you can talk about that's going to captivate you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I feel like, like you said, I, that's, that's huge because a lot of people don't feel like they're interesting. They feel like their voice doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And you have people out here that have amazing stories. Yes. Um, you know, I even had the, the opportunity to interview the, I, I think he's the manager here. Um, he's a um, coffee connoisseur, and mm-hmm. it, at night he's a rapper. Well, they're, they're, yeah, and I'm awesome. like, holy crap, you know, this is, I had no idea, you yeah. know, and it, 
you know, and, and so when you when you meet people like that and you give validation to their stories, mm-hmm. not only does it help what you're doing, but it helps them too. It helps them to see, hey, I do have a story to tell, and there, t- there's some value yeah, to what I've done. Yeah, there's value in what yes. I've done yes. exactly. So you know, you, it's it's definitely um, it's given me a lot to think about, lots mm-hmm. of process myself. So, and uh, you know, you talk about. Not, not necessarily being able to step into somebody else's shoes, and there's a lot going on in the African community, mm-hmm. African American community yeah, right now. And, and, and you know, I, I, I try to I try to empathize and sympathize oh. and, and jump in from time to time. But I'm like, you know, this yeah. is, I need to say something, but it's not my place to say something. Yeah. But if everybody doesn't say something then nothing's going to get said (laughs) so it's like okay you're navigating this you know other people have have more real things to say about this and i'm just looking at this from the outside looking Mm -hmm. in but at the same time somebody has to be saying something exactly (laughs) well you know i i think that i i think you're right and you know if you're an ally and you have something to say, say it. Mm-hmm. Um, because being an ally and saying something is be better than being a silent ally. Yeah. That that won't do anything, won't say anything, but feels in their heart that what's happening today is uh, it, with the African American community is wrong. Police brutality is wrong. Right. And it doesn't matter whether it comes from a black cop or a white cop. It's not a necessarily. Um, it's not necessarily the person on the street that exactly. is the issue. It's the the system. It's the system. Yes. exactly. And you know, there have been multiple different books written about it, and you know how laws are unjustly enforced. You know, there was a guy recently who just got out of jail after serving 18 years for a crime he didn't even commit. Mm-hmm. And they looked over the um, interrogation videos, and the police officer wrote out his confession for him and made him read it. Well, that's nice. Yeah, and so... Yeah. Nice of him to go ahead and... And so Take care of that paperwork So it's, it's it's not only... And then now we have a, a system where people are profit, profiting off yes. of imprisonment. Yes. And they're, it's becoming such an issue in certain places that state prisons and state employees are going out of business. Okay, yeah. Because they're not making enough money. Right. So, <laughs> well, thankfully, the, the federal prison system has recently moved away from, from for privatization, profit, yeah. But... It, it's gonna, yeah. Looking for that on the state level is well down the road, especially a state like South Carolina, where yeah. we we have our own fiscal issues. Mm-hmm. Any opportunity that we have to not pay for something to save some money, we're gonna take it. Well, well you know what we could do? What we could legalize marijuana, <laughs> and thereby let off all those marijuana offenders. That's right. And if we make it retro. Tax the fucking marijuana. Mm-hmm. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a lot of that is, um, you know, there's a stigma behind marijuana, and then there's um, uneducated people are not educated. Yeah, uh, you know, there are clear medicinal reasons yeah. to use it, but you know, anyway, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. but um, marijuana being legal would would cure a lot of ills. In our society, but, I mean, we see places like Colorado where crime's gone down, violent crime, especially, yeah. has gone down. And I mean, I don't know, maybe has something to do with people stoned. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I don't want to kill gonna, that. Who's going to rob a store yeah. when they're stoned? I don't want to kill that guy. He didn't do anything for me. I just need to sit down on my couch. 
but he didn't have a Twinkie. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I do need to kill yeah, him. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, but, um, you know, it's there's so many uh, things that are going on in America. And, um, you know, you see a lot of it, like the All Lives Matter, yeah. whatever that is. Um, yeah, the stupid people, yeah, basically. Exactly. And um, you see, basically, back to your point of, you know, saying something people that are part of that movement want people of color and their allies to say nothing. Mm -hmm. It's just so they want the status quo. Um, you know, and they, you see those same people, or, you know, they do it with everything. Anti-LGBT laws, you know, uh, they, why, why do they need all this, these rights? Because they're rights. Because they're the same rights you have. Yeah, exactly. And you said you were in the military, so this is yeah. rights you fought for. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, it's, um, so I'm going to speak up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to. I mean, but they do it towards everything. I mm -hmm. mean, it's, it's mostly uh, it's a certain kind of people that do it, and they want the status quo to remain the status quo. They don't want anything to change. Um, they, it is, uh, that's just, they don't want anything to change because they don't want to change. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and um, well, because admitting that you need to change is admitting that you're wrong. Admitting you have a problem. Yeah. Or yeah. that there is a problem. Exactly. And, and that you know the whole world isn't you know doesn't revolve around <laughs> you. <Yeah. laughs> it's not all bubble gum and lollipops. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <Anything> else? <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I know you, you. You're a watercolor artist. I've been seeing uh, yeah. that pop up yeah. recently. And um, a little bit about that. Uh, sure. Yeah. So yeah. Um, <laughs> my, my brother um, passed away in April. Okay. Um, he, it was a violent death oh. and um, violent crime, and uh, I kind of went through a, a period of depression, and mm -hmm. I'm still going through that. Um, yeah. It's just April. I mean, it's not like it was years and years ago. Right. So, yeah. Um, and uh, I needed something because I was doing photography and I was doing a lot of it and I was getting people, you know, come to my studio and do photography for them. And I said, I need to focus on myself right now. Yeah. I need to do something else. And I had no other, um, I guess, I had no other artistic ability. So I went, I remember as a kid painting with watercolors. Uh-huh. I was like, maybe I'll start with that. And... Um, I got, I got a watercolor set from Walmart, and I got some watercolor paper, and I just started doing that, and uh, it really is becoming something. People like it, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, I uh, started doing illustrations and all kind of stuff like that, which uh, never really saw myself getting into that, but I, I like it now, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know what... You know, I hope I never have to go through anything like that again to find right. a hidden talent, like your know, relative dying a violent death suddenly. Um, but but I'm, I'm glad that I was able to discover that talent in a time where I needed it. But so much art is born out of pain. And that's what I, that's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, so it, it, pain lets you get to the root of yourself and see what you want to express exactly, yeah. above all else, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I'm thinking that, that watercolors is kind of a meditative thing to It really it's is. Something um, to, to concentrate on and block everything else out. Yeah. When you see the finished product and you mm -hmm. see how much time flies and you're just like, wow, I did that. Yeah. You know, I did that. And it looks good. Yes. 
And uh, I would of totally. course, you know, somebody hits you in the inbox and is like, oh, can I buy that? And I'm like, oh, that makes me feel even better. <laughs> I, I would totally buy your, your, your picture of, of Tandem, but my wife already thinks I have such a love affair with that crepery <laughs> that um, I would get so much shit just for having it. Oh my it. gosh. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I just was walking around TR. Do you live in TR? Or? No, I live, I live right down oh, the road here. Oh, you live here. in Great, are yeah. you in yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, I was just walking around downtown. Mm-hmm. I saw that it's cool, look, cool color, and they have like that side area where it's kind of like yeah. rugged. And I just took a picture of it and um, went home and painted it, and uh, it's nice, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, but most of most of the work that I'm working on now is based off of. Um, I guess it's it's multifaceted. It's based off of mostly urban inner city life and yeah. African American life. I, I draw a lot of my inspiration from. Um, Hispanic. There's a Hispanic photographer called David, named David Gonzalez, mm-hmm. and um, he's from the Bronx. But he takes a lot of pictures of African Americans, specifically Afro Latino um, awesome. uh, culture, and um, I draw a lot of my inspiration from that, which is which is pretty awesome um, to have a legend like that. He added me as a friend on Facebook when he saw one of my paintings. That, that's, that's always yeah. amazing <laughs> when that happens. Yes. <laughs> It's like, oh my gosh, this is like meeting uh, Michael Jordan. (laughs) Well, it's like so many people think of Hispanic culture as this monolith of everybody's like this. But, you know, I guess the only time you really see the the African Hispanic is is baseball. Baseball. (laughs) You see the David Ortiz. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and you don't really see that in day-to-day life in, in America that much. Exactly. I mean... I mean, within certain, if you go up to New York or New Jersey, you see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, my father is Puerto Rican, um, my mother is uh, African American and uh, of Trinidadian descent. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, um, it's interesting because if you go to like New York, New Jersey and certain neighborhoods, being black is synonymous with being Hispanic. Okay. And so it's easy for somebody to stop you and ask you a question in Spanish. Um, you know, here, and you, if you speak Spanish to somebody, it's, uh, <laughs> oh, so where did you learn? Yeah, like, yeah, where did you learn yeah, that? I mean, you're really good at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, and I'm, I'm not fluent by any means, but growing up in a house where I, I guess the second most spoken language was Spanish, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of adds benefit to. Yeah. You know what you uh, and it wasn't it wasn't the primary language. It was the second. I wouldn't. We didn't. No, it was English was the first. <laughs> <spoken language. laughs> but I mean, so I mean, basically, you have. I don't know where I'm going. No, you're good. Never mind. No, no. What were you saying? What were you saying? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I mean, it, yeah. it goes away. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm it, getting older. <laughs> oh, no, you're, you're, how old are you? I'm 40. You're 40? Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. almost there. Well, I'm 30. I'm almost there. Ten more years, I'll be there. I'm like three quarters of the way there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, I mean, when when you look at black culture, it, black culture in general is not just African-American culture. Right. Um, I'm sure, you know, there are many aspects of Afro-Latino culture that are the same as African-American culture. The music, the dance, a lot of the dance, but... Well, not, not necessarily even, because, yeah, you know, I, there's there's African-Cuban oh, music absolutely. is amazing it's and com- completely yeah. different than anything exactly. you know, up here. Exactly. 
but you know it's it's not black culture is not a monolith there's many different aspects of it mm-hmm. and within those aspects are are um, causes that are championed and um, and so that that's the thing like when I hear people on the news especially politicians when they say we need the black vote what does that mean but, yeah and, they, and, and, and then they, they say they need the Hispanic vote yeah, as, like, as, what does that and mean? sometimes that's not a different exactly. thing it's, it's, it's a completely <laughs> different thing because you have Hispanics that live in New York whose issues are not illegal or immigration. Mm-hmm. And then you have Hispanics that live in Texas that are completely, their causes, the things that they champion are completely different. So it's it's not, I, f- I feel like politicians do themselves a disservice when they look at minorities in general as a monolith, as mm-hmm. one concrete group. And then the same thing like with African, when they say they need the black vote, first thing they go to is the black church. Yeah. I haven't been to a church in six years. <laughs> I haven't been. Do they need my vote? Does my vote not matter if I don't go to a church? Right. Um, so you know, and then they, and then they 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 group the black vote in with well, poverty. Well, they, they they figure even if you haven't been to church, your mama has. Yeah, exactly. So, so they're getting your mama, so they're, they're gonna get you. They're gonna get yeah, exactly, exactly. So which, which isn't necessarily it's, wrong. Well, it's not necessarily true either, because right. you know, at the same time, my mom realizes that I'm an independent individual Mm -hmm. that's capable of making my own decisions. I mean, of course, she could try to steer me in one way or another, but her going to church or her seeing a politician come into the church is not going to shape my vote, and it's probably not going to shape hers either. But a a lot of the ones that are are trying to champion that are from, like here, where the Southern Baptist Convention dictates what people vote. And, you know... And are tax exempt, and are you know, and are pushing political policy, which mm-hmm. is a huge mm-hmm. violation. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. and, but you know that that's the background they're coming from. So they're just trying to infuse their background into your community. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, it, it's not fair. Um, and I, th- I feel like the way politicians put black people in a monolith. Mm-hmm. Um, is part of the reason why a lot of younger black people aren't going to church anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that and, and some other things, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, it, it, the world in general is going to church less. Yes, So exactly. it, it's just, it's a progression with all of society. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, um, it's uh, it's interesting to see this election cycle. and um, <laughs> Interesting is, cause, cause, is you a know, good word like, for it. Do you know, do you, like, it's funny because, like, Donald Trump didn't start reaching out to the black community until, like, he, I guess he had the realization, he had a come to Jesus meeting, no pun intended, um, that, that I guess, white America alone wasn't going to carry him. Yeah. Um, so it, he was, Because he can't get, uh, it, there's no way he's ever going to get 100% of white America, no. which would be what it would take. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he's, and then with the, the study, one in three registered voters is a minority. Mm-hmm. That's a huge amount of minority registered voters that aren't going to put up with his, that curse here? Yeah, yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. They're not going to put up with yeah, this bullshit. Yeah, I said bullshit. fuck earlier. Oh, oh yeah, you did? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're not going to put it, up it with it. It rolls this off so smoothly, you didn't even catch it. It's fine. <laughs> I know. It's like water over cliff. It's like, okay. Um, yeah, they're not going to put up with that. And, uh, you know, He's now reaching out to Hispanic, and it's funny, he has these well, surrogates. But his ways of reaching out are ridiculous. They really are. For example, like my, my uncle calls me up and he goes, did you hear this asshole Trump, what he said? 
you know, and blacks you, don't even you have you don't even have anything. You're stupid. Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, not you're stupid. He didn't say that, but he was. Just but like, he said it. But he didn't say it. Yeah, it was. But he there's, didn't say it. A lot of but he was him. inferring mm-hmm. it. And you know what? I honestly am under the, the belief that he's a neo-Nazi in disguise. Um, personally, I, I, I don't know what he is. Cause, you well, know, I mean, if you look at the people, he's that either a neo-Nazi in disguise or he's trolling the fuck out of us. I think and so. He's like yeah. gonna die. Well, I, I feel you know? like you know, I, I, I honestly feel like he is going to. Uh, he's a neo-Nazi. Um, the, the code words he uses. Um, I'm the law and order candidate. If you notice, he, when he says the law and order, he's he's the law and order candidate. It's always in the same scheme as like minorities, black people. Yeah. So what yeah. is he? So he, he's telling his audience, he's drawing lawlessness yeah. and lack of order with minorities. Two non-whites. Two non-whites. Yes. And you look at the people that endorse him: David Duke, white supremacist yeah. groups, Fraternal Order of the Police. I'm not going to say that's a large white supremacist organization, but. You know, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> um, so I mean, you look at the people that endorse him, and then you look at the things he says. Mm-hmm. You look how he's he equates being a minority, especially being a black person, with poverty. Um, you have to draw conclusions that he is not out to represent the best interests of every American. That one in three registered voters that's a minority, he's not out to represent no. the best interests yeah. for them. Um, and so you have to vote accordingly. And I know, you know, lesser of two evils is still evil. But, but it's less. But it's less <laughs> evil. Like, uh, you know, uh, one, one, somebody might, one well, candidate it, might punch you in the face. The one other one might want to give you cyanide and kill you. Right. Which it, one are you going to take? Like, <laughs> I've seen so many people say, but, but what has she done in 30 years? Do you realize how far we've come with, you know, Civil rights, exactly, and, and and we've come so far in the last eight years. Yeah, even with Congress acting against the, and, and people don't understand that the president doesn't pass the laws. No, yeah. the president is the enforcer. Mm-hmm. The president can suggest laws, but it's up to Congress to pass them. Mm-hmm. So if Congress doesn't pass them. What are we doing? What are we doing? And Congress hasn't passed shit in the last two, in yeah. the last six years or yeah. so. Yeah, they won't even. The last big one was Obamacare, and then yeah. that was it. Yeah, like, I mean, they won't even, they won't even do their job and 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 go through the confirmation process with the Supreme, Supreme Court, Court justice. justice. No, and apparently um, Republicans before they really liked him, uh, yeah. Merrick Garland. They really liked him, and they won't go through the process. Well, of and, and and that, that's. I, I, that's the, the beautiful thing is this stance that the Republicans are doing to not allow Garland in is going to bite them in the ass. Oh, absolutely. Because Obama put up a moderate judge. And if when Hillary gets in, she's not going to do that. No, not at so all. So they... they it's actually in their best interest to go ahead and put Garland in mm-hmm. while they can, yeah. because he's he's the, their best option mm-hmm. going forward. Oh yeah, because then but, Hil- when Hillary gets in, she's gonna put somebody radical left on there. Yeah, yeah. they're gonna say, "Well, you want to wait this out four years, or you want to go through the confirmation process?" Yeah. <laughs> well, and and hopefully, ho- hopefully, America has seen enough of this current Congress where it's not going to be. It's not going to be that Congress to 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 
to yeah. stand in the way. I think America. I, I, go ahead. I think there has been enough, enough obstruction where we have a chance at least getting a 50 50. Yeah. I think America is so polarized right now oh, that they'll, yeah. they'll continue to. Um, they'll, the obstruction is only going to get worse, I, I think. Yeah. Um, I was, when Justice uh, Scalia died, I was at Red Lobster and this guy. Um, he, I guess he gets uh, the alerts on his phone. His phone's did it, it, whatever, and uh, <laughs> that's the noise, whatever. Yeah, yeah um, and uh, he's like, Justice Scalia dies, died, and he goes, uh, Oh my God, that means that man, referring to Obama, that man, really, yeah. the President of the United States, yeah. that means that man can put somebody on the Supreme Court. Oh, God. oh my God, oh no, and he's just doing that. He did that for like five minutes, and. <laughs> And, if, if and you're felt, doing a dance of joy. Yeah, and I'm like, well, you know, you don't, I don't really, I can't really be happy for anybody's demise or, right, or their yeah, death. Yeah. But you know, the man did say that uh, black people were lesser, were lesser, had lesser intellect, and therefore deserved to go to inferior schools, um, especially higher education. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and so you know, but chicken meat egg. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, when when you see stuff like that, and when when uh, people say things like that, and um, you know, when you see that vocalized publicly, when a Supreme Court justice dies, it's it, the polarization isn't going anywhere. Yeah, this yeah. wasn't a guy that was really old. I would say he was maybe in his mid thirties, early forties. Mm-hmm. Um, he has he had kids. Yeah. You know, he's he, saying this in front, in front of his kids, yeah. in front of his family. He's putting those seeds in there eggs. that will become this same person, exactly. you know, down exactly. the line. Well, you know, hopefully they'll grow out of it or whatever. He didn't. We can only have hope. We can only have hope that they meet somebody that's progressive and has progressive values that changes their mind. Or if it's not, if it doesn't change their minds, gets them to think outside of the box. Yeah, that's that's all I'm hoping for at this point is that people will think outside of the box. That's it. I mean, I don't want to change anyone's mind. Just think outside of the box. Yeah. Um, and I think that's empathy and thinking outside of the box. I think that's the key to creating a better democracy for everyone. Mm-hmm. Because polarization isn't helping us. No, no. Obama well, and, could have gotten so much more done if there wasn't so much polarization. And he still hit so many of the things that he promised yeah. that people just ignore. Ignore. And, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Those people, uh, and yeah, there's too many of those people around here. I don't think there's any in this coffee shop. No, though. I don't think so. We might be yeah. okay. Yeah, but I, I, I love this little area here. The, the, Do you ever come down here? I, I haven't. Um, I mean, I've I've driven through here, but it, it it looks like there's nothing here. Yeah. If you don't know, like I. There's no sign to, no. to let you know that this coffee this is shop here. is here. It's it's like being in L.A. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. it's... Did you live in L.A. or...? Uh, no. <laughs> um, I've, I've, I've lived in Japan for four and a half years, and um, I was out in 29 Palms, yeah. California, okay. twice okay. for schooling. Um, so I've been to L.A., but I haven't... Were you a Marine? Yes. Oh, okay. yes. Yeah. My, my dad went there, too. Yeah. My dad's a, not an ex-Marine. Former Marine, never, sure. never, <laughs> never an ex-Marine. You know, is it, you know, yeah, I grew my what, hair out. I might be okay. <laughs> I made the mistake of doing that in front of some uh, some Marine, saying my dad was an ex-Marine. Oh no, 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 he's he's a he's a Marine. Once Marine, always he's Marine. Marine. Yeah, well, 
some of us are okay. Some of us have moved on with life. Um, <laughs> there, there are those that still grasp on firmly because yeah. that's what they have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's that. That I think it, that kind of falls back on something that uh, the the uh, hero worship of the soldier just because they served. I, I, I do not agree with that at all. How do you feel, how does that make you feel when, um, I'm interviewing you now, sorry. Yeah, it's fine, it's, uh, it's a conversation, yeah, it's not yeah, an yeah. interview. How does that make you feel <laughs> when um, a soldier or, or somebody uses their service as clout to get things? Like when, you know, I deal yeah. with customer service and I serve this country, I should get free service, I should get... No, free. don't do that. Yeah. yeah it's like... I, I serve this country and nobody knows until, you know, 15 minutes into an interview and, and, and it comes up, you yeah. know. Uh, it's, it's not something that I throw out there. Yeah. Um, it's something that I did and it's something that has shaped kind of who I am more because I got to live in Okinawa, Japan for four and a half years than because I was in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it... it, it there are people that that is their entire identity even though it was four years of their life that's like if you went to Harvard yeah and got out of Harvard and your entire rest of your life all you did was say I went to Harvard yeah. I deserve stuff <laughs> which isn't well, you know, isn't untrue that people do that yeah. <laughs> I, I think you hold the same view as, as my dad um you know, he's a firm believer that, you know, um, just because you serve right. doesn't mean that you are deserving of things. And it, the big thing that he does is uh, he talks about when he was in Vietnam, he talks about a lot of the um, when he got out. So he went he was from South Bronx, he was South Bronx. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the guys he went to high school with or a lot of the guys he went to school with, they all left at the same time and listed yeah. at the same time. So he's in the same company as them, whatever. Awesome. And uh, a lot of the guys ended up being cooks or janitors and stuff. And then they would come back home and be like, oh, I fought. I killed all these people. No. I was a com I'm a combat veteran. What the fuck? Well, you no, are a you combat weren't. veteran, but... No, no, well, they just, they'll say, in, they'll you're, say you're, you're a combat zone veteran. Yeah, yeah. You're not a combat veteran. Right. And um, be like, what are you talking about? You didn't. You were... you. You, were you approved my leave request. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, we, didn't, we didn't do anything, and um, you know, and uh, his biggest thing was because he, um, with the Marines, he ended up. Uh, he was a POW MIA for mm -hmm. about three days in okay. in, Viet, in the jungles of Vietnam. Yeah, and um, a lot of people will say, uh, "Oh, I, I was in special forces." Well, what what was your um, when you got into the military, what, what I guess it was your your job, your MOS, your MOS, yeah, 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 yeah. that's it. Yeah, what was your M occupational yeah. specialty? Specialty, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like what, what is your what was your MOS? Anybody could tell you what that what your MOS was. Like, yeah. Oh, it's top secret. I can't tell you. No, you know you yeah, can't. Yeah, and they, they, they'd be like, yeah, this, this person's full of shit. <laughs> oh, you're 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 a uh, yeah. 
Shit specialist. Yes, yeah. Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> you, <know> <laughs> you get your, I guess you get your MOS, mm-hmm. and then you get your orders. Like if it's top secret or whatever, then yeah, yeah. You can't tell them what your orders were. Well, I mean, you can you can give your general MOS. Yeah. You, yeah. You can say I was in Intel. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't say I was in Intel in Baghdad in yeah. 1963 because yeah. we didn't have anybody in Baghdad in 1963 yeah. officially. Yeah. You know, yeah. so stuff like that. You know, exactly. You, you could say what you did, but yeah. you might not be able to get into detail yeah. of what you did. Yeah. And I mean, so what do you think of the current like situation with the VA? And I mean, it's shitty. Yeah. But at the same time, people are are leveraging that. They're they're leveraging the the status of the VA to not help other people, and that's shitty. It's like, well, we can't help our veterans, so how can we help anybody else? Well, okay, help our veterans, and now help other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, oh, we can't help our veterans, so we can't help anybody else. Well, bills have gone up to Congress saying, you know, asking for to help the VA, and you won't pass it. So... That doesn't fall on the rest of the world yeah. because you won't help the veterans. Like you can't use the veterans as an excuse if you're not doing it. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. And you know, one thing you know, from talking to my dad and, and look, you know, talking to him about his situation because he has mental health issues from being in Vietnam. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, he tells me that you have to be on top of it. Mm-hmm. You have to be. On, so a lot of these guys they will fill out one piece of paperwork and then, oh, why am I not getting help? You gotta be on top of it. You you gotta be down there once, twice a week. You gotta, you you make sure you're getting the help that you need. Nobody else cares as much about your particular experience, situation, situation than you you do. Exactly. And it's it's always interesting getting a military person's perspective on that. Um, And you always get like the talking point in the news is that we're not helping our veterans, our veterans aren't getting accurate care, adequate care. Mm-hmm. But when you talk to military people, that sentiment, you have to care about your situation. Yeah. No one's going to, you're going to have to be on top of things. I always get that same, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, and it's and like leveraging political points. And it's like people who, who just, you know, they're in the military and they wallow in that for the rest of their life and don't do anything else. Mm-hmm. They don't, they, you know, they, they, they're, they're like, okay, I was in the military, give me shit. Yeah. You know, hand me my life on a silver spoon, and that's just not how it works. That's not how it worked before you went in the military. Why would it be how it works when you get out? Nobody else gets handed anything. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was in the military. I, how I long got, were you in there? I, I was in for nine years. Nine years? Oh, wow. So you did um, time. <laughs> Uh, I, I do time. It wasn't, it wasn't hard time or anything. I, they haven't proven any of that. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I re-enlisted once to get a follow-on school, which got me two years of electronic schooling nice. while I was in there. And that was that was the conscious you know, thought process behind it. I got two years of electronic school out of the Marine Corps, and now I'm using that. So, I mean, you, if you don't leverage what you learned in there, or if... There, there are people who go in there with open MOS and let, you know, whatever service, you know, dictate what they are, and yeah. then they don't get skills out of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, there, there's a certain amount of accounting for what you do with it that isn't taken into account by those people that, that yeah. argue that we should just be giving stuff to veterans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I have a good friend of mine who um, is... Uh, 
I think he is re-enlisting in the Marine Corps, but um, mm-hmm. he came away with um, I guess financial experience or like finance or something like that. He's okay. working at like a, I don't know what he did, but yeah, he's working at like a bank loan specialist now. So okay, neat. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that in the Marine Corps. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds. I mean, there's all kinds of different jobs that, that yeah. they have out there, and yeah. you know, you can get training all over the place. All over the place. Yeah. I think it would be cool. To, that's one reason my dad went into the Marine Corps because he got to travel the world, and mm-hmm. it was like I lived in the South Bronx. Um, didn't have much going for me. Got yeah. the opportunity to travel. Yeah, I mean, I, I, coming out of Easley, South yeah. Carolina, I, I went to the Marine Corps, and you know, went to electronic school, and then spent four and a half years in Japan, which is awesome. Yeah. And I went over there for a one year tour and stayed for four and a half um, because I kept extending it. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't, they didn't force me um, and learned some of the language and culture and, and yeah. all that while I was over there because, you know, the people that hate, the people that go over to Okinawa and hate it are the ones that go to work, gym, church. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And never go out and experience anything. Um, and something that, I've tried to bring back here and, and tried to live by is wherever you are is what you make of it. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah. So if you're somewhere and, you know, you don't like what you're doing, do different things. Yeah. You know, experience where you are. And if you don't like the experience, change it. Yeah. You know, create what you want to do. But So how do you feel about the, like, the over-militarization of, like... <laughs> Our police force, not only, not only our police force, yeah, our police force. What yeah. do you, how do you feel about that? I am horrified. Yeah. Um, well, there's. They have tanks now. They, they have tanks and they don't have training. Um, yeah, the, 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 the big meme that CNN put out, uh, an article uh, a couple days ago where it, over, it went over how many days of training it takes to become a police officer versus what it takes to become a hairdresser what it takes to become a barber, you know, these different, what people would, you know, less life-affecting yeah. positions, you know, not less vital, but less yeah. life-affecting, you know. But, uh, so it's like, and it's like a third of the time it takes to become a qualified police officer. It's like nine it, weeks. It's like three times that long to become a hairdresser. Yeah. And it's like, okay, um, there's a problem with that. And, and even if that's, you know, and that's fine if that's to become a base police officer yeah. where you're always working with somebody and getting on the job training. That, that's cool. But we need to be having follow-on training. And, and, you know, if we're going to militarize the police force, there's a whole lot of military training that has to go into that. Yeah. And you can't... One of the problems that I'm seeing now is that, okay, the... Police officers aren't able to handle high tension situations with, you know, potential weapons. But we're expecting the everyday citizen with no training to be able to handle that situation. Yeah. yeah. You, the cop pulls gun out on you. You're gonna freak the fuck out. Yeah. That has to be expected. Yeah. You're right. It, it's a it's a fight or flight instinct. It's not conscious. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, he he needs to comply and just and just do whatever they say. He's freaking the fuck out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. You would be too. Yeah. You didn't do anything. Yeah. Your freaking car like stopped that, on yeah. the side of the road, and you're sitting here trying to change your tire, and guys just pop out with guns on you. What do you do I'm right now in this in instant? <laughs> just freak, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, 
I'm not going to stand there and and be chatty with them and be like, uh, no, it's it's not a it's not a coherent thought process that, that happens in that moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're right. So I mean, the, the, either we need to arm them with non-lethal but effective uh, yeah, solutions, right. which mm-hmm. are out there. Yeah. Um, which, well, they, they which makes them. it where when the, when, spray, they yeah, have made, when this so guy you, freaks you know, the fuck out, tasers. you hit him with a rubber bullet yeah. and he lays the fuck down. Yeah. But he's not dead. Yeah. Um, and you know, and and that's what they do for white people. Um, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> or at least that's what it this, seems like. Yeah, that's not for you. <laughs> the non-lethal stuff is not for for me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, those solutions are out there, and I always freak out. Like, especially because I know in Greer, they are always pulling people over. I mean, if I always freak out because I, I think you know. I, I mean, I if know. you're driving down the road and blue lights come on behind you, even if you're doing the speed limit, you clench the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody does that. If, even though, even though he's going to whip around you and get the guy in front of you yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's doing horrible, horrible things that you've been seeing, you know, for miles. But you clench up, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. And if they pull a gun out on you, it's that response amplified by 5,000. So how, do, how are we expecting people to not lose their shit? Yeah, yeah. you're right. <laughs> and, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely um, eye-opening to see, like, all this stuff that's happening with the police. And I don't know what's all going to become of it, but... This is getting it's getting ridiculous. Yeah. I mean when we see somebody, you know, whose car my car is stalled on the highway, I've blown tires before and, so yeah, know, I mean you, your car starts out on the road, what are you supposed to do now? Yeah. If, you can't if, move it. If I, mean, I get out of the car and try to take care of it, I might get shot. Yeah. So yeah, what is the proper thing to do? Yeah. And, and there is no answer at this point. Because anything you do could lead to, I get shot. I get shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I And I have relatives that are police officers, my, my in-laws, <laughs> some of my in-laws. And, you know, makes for some interesting conversations sometimes. But, you know, you don't, but it, I try to avoid I, it. I mean, I, 100%. And, and the more divisive and the worse it gets... The less safe they are, yeah, because they've lost the backing and the trust of the community yeah. at this point. And if the community doesn't trust them, then they're at more danger yeah. doing just trying to do their job. Do their job, yeah. You know that that routine traffic stop becomes a possible encounter because somebody whoever out. you pulled over yeah. is freaking out just to that nth degree. Yeah, yeah. and you know. I don't know. It's, and I don't know that there's a, an elegant, simple solution at this point because we're so far down, far the, down road. the road. Yeah, I mean, and but you, it, I think sometimes you have to realize because uh, there's, there's this like same with the military, they, they have this rosy colored, rose colored glasses mm-hmm. with the police. A lot of people, you got to realize that it's a chosen profession. Yeah. It's not. We're not drafting people into the police force. And and, and a lot of, you know. I'm not going to make a blanket statement about all police officers, but a lot of the ones that become police officers are the power-hungry bullies from the playground. 
um, because they want to. This is how they can maintain their authority on others. On others, yeah. Um, with relatively little oversight, uh, oversight and training. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> and it's. I mean, you. You know, it's. Uh, I don't know. It, it, there's. There's a lot that can be said about that. Um, you know, as far as the testing, psychological, mm -hmm. and, and I believe they go through psychological testing, you know, to see what kind I, of peer person they so. are. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there are plenty of police officers out there where it's a power play for them. Yeah. And... It's I, living, the, living the video game. Yeah, living you're living the, the video yeah. And if you're paying them $30,000 a year to put their life on the line, that's what you're going to get. Yep. Oh, yeah. Big so, time. I mean... Big time. <laughs> I don't, you're not going to get quality from thirty grand a year. No, no, no. Not even around here. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess we can wrap it up. Wrap it up there. Yeah, um, no problem. Shameless self-promotion. Anything that you want to push? Um, come out to the Greenville Center for Creative Arts. Um, my fellowship's almost done in this January, mm -hmm. but um, it's an awesome place. They foster a lot of new and upcoming artists there. And um, check out Faces of the Upstate, um, and it's on Facebook www.facebook.com slash upstate faces and if you're interested in being part of it uh, hit me up um, on there or email me uh, and do you have a website? Um, I'll throw it in the show notes yeah. for this episode cool. yeah. um, and um, I, I, I've been doing a pick a day yeah. picture, a picture a day just of random things around here and I throw a picture of a bridge right next to the art district yeah. um, right where you are and and somebody, that, somebody was like, where is that? And I said, it's uh, near the art district in Greenville. And so many people are like, we have an art district yeah. in Greenville? And, and people don't understand that there's a little there's a little art there's community art thing yeah. there, right there. It's thriving, and it's doing very well, too. And mm -hmm. a lot of businesses are moving away from downtown to come to that area. So, Which is awesome. Which is awesome, but we're running into a lot of gentrification. But yeah, yeah. So. And, yeah. And if you've been to Greenville recently, gentrification is a very big issue. Huge. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, uh, you can follow me at Woodle on the Twitter and the Instagram and um, I have other podcasts whatever um, it's all about Anthony today um, and we'll talk at you next time thank you This has been a Southern Geek Podcast.